0: So after reading 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, we know that Paul loved the church at Corinth. And if you'll remember, uh, Corinth was uh, a part of of Greece, uh, and so it was a very important city. Uh, It was a very influential and a very wealthy city, uh, but it was also a city uh, filled with immorality. And so the church is in this city, and the church faced challenges. And if you'll remember, we talked about challenges both inside the walls, and outside the walls. Uh, The church at Corinth was challenged by divisions. We saw that last week. These divisions were about putting emphasis on the messengers more so than the message. Uh, Theologians tell us that the loyalists were the ones who followed Paul. The intellectuals were the ones who followed Apollos. The Jews were the ones who followed Cephas, And the super spirituals were the ones who followed Christ. Uh, In his opening, Paul puts the emphasis back on Christ. What he said was, hey, did I die for you? Did I baptize you in my name? Did anybody else do that? He very clearly took the focus off of the messengers and put the focus back on the message and the message was all about Christ. It was all about Jesus. And I love these words. I mentioned this to you last week. Um, Paul said, we preach Christ crucified. Now, he said that very loudly. He said that very clearly. Uh, if you'll remember, he finished chapter one saying, let the one who boasts, boast in who? The Lord. That's what he said. Uh, I also asked you a very important question last week. Uh, it's a question that demonstrates the theme or at least one of the themes of the letter, 1 Corinthians. And that question I'm going to ask you again tonight. When facing challenges in this life, will we seek the wisdom of the word, or will we seek the wisdom of the world? And I'm going to tell you, there's only one way to find peace. There's only one way to find strength. There's only one way to find truth, and that is seek the wisdom of the word. The wisdom of the world is going to let you down. It's what I would call a false wisdom. It's not real. Um, So with that question in mind and with that theme in mind, wisdom of the word or wisdom of the world, we're going to dig into chapter two. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter two, tonight we're going to see another challenge for the church at Corinth and this is a challenge of dependence. I've already told you that. This is a challenge of dependence. Who are they depending upon to make decisions uh, in the church or in the home or in the community? Where is their dependence? Now, I want to share with you uh, the meaning of the word dependence. Dependence means reliance upon. It means reliance. It also means trust, trust in someone or something. And so when we are filled with the wisdom of the world, That means we rely on the world. That means we trust in the world. On the flip side, if we rely on the word of God, if we put our trust in the word of God, I'm gonna tell you something. You will never be let down. The word of God is truth. It is life. It is light. And the word of God will never let you down. I want you to know that up front. I believe that's what Paul wants the church at Corinth to know. That's what he wants everyone to know. So dependence means reliance upon, trust in someone or something. So I want you to think about what that word means, dependence, as we read this letter tonight, First Corinthians chapter 2. Now I want to start with a small passage here, verses 1 through 5. The Bible says, "...and so it was with me, brothers and sisters," When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So already in the first two chapters, what has Paul said over and over again? Christ crucified. I want you to know Christ crucified. That's what I want you to know. Verse 3. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I'm going to tell you, that that's a powerful first five verses. Uh, I could probably preach a whole sermon just on those five verses, but with the whole chapter in context, I, I wanna move through these uh, five verses with you. First and foremost, I love this. Paul came to Corinth with human weakness and fear. That's what he said. When I came to you, I came to you weak. I came to you with fear. And so Paul, uh, he tells us in other letters that he wrote to the church that he was beaten, that he was whipped, that he was jailed many, many times. We know that he had physical ailments. Paul has told us about the physical ailments he had. One of the physical ailments he had that I'm starting to identify with was bad vision. Uh, I notice more and more every day that my vision is not getting better, but getting worse. Uh, it's, It's pretty sad when you've got an eye doctor who's your cousin and they just tell you bluntly like it is. I was, wanting, I was thinking it was just a normal thing, and she said, it is normal, you're getting old. But anyway, uh, we also know that Paul at times was tempted to fear. Uh, I'll ask you a question just like I asked you about Joshua in the Old Testament. Was Paul perfect? Well, that's a simple answer, no. Was anybody in the Bible other than Jesus perfect? No. Paul wasn't perfect, and there were times that that Paul was tempted to fear. And there were times that Paul fell into that temptation to fear. And he tells us right here, I came to you in weakness. I came to you with fear. I came to you with trembling. Uh, And so uh, I love that Paul is very open and very honest. But I love this because right after he said uh, that I was weak in my own flesh and that I was weak with fears and trembling, Paul tells us that he relied upon the message of Christ. Do you see that? I, I relied upon the message of Christ and upon the power of God. That's what he proclaimed. He did not rely on eloquent speaking skills because he said, Hey, I didn't do that. I didn't come, I didn't come to you with eloquent words. Uh, Paul said he relied on the message of Christ and the power of God. He didn't even rely on his own physical prowess, right? He relied on God and he says his life was a demonstration of God's power through the Holy Spirit. I love that. Paul said, me coming to you, me preaching the message of Christ, it's a demonstration of God's power through the Holy Spirit. I would ask you a question. And it's okay if if you, if you say, not really, because I I look at my life and I was going, I want to say yes, but I, I don't know if I can. Is your life in your home a demonstration? Of God's power through the Holy Spirit? Is your life at work a demonstration of God's power through the Holy Spirit? Think about that for just a minute. If you rely on your own physical strength, (laughs) if you rely on your own eloquent words, I can tell you uh, that's not God's power. And so when you confess your weakness, when you confess your fear, right? When you confess, you're trembling, you're doubt. When you confess that to God, it's when you're weak that he is strong. And Paul's going to reiterate that a little later. So in this, in this message, right, in these first five verses, I want you to see something else. Paul was not just talking about an explanation. He, he wasn't trying to explain God. He wasn't talking about an explanation about God. I'm going to tell you what he was talking about. He was talking about an experience with God. That's what he was talking about. That word demonstrate, right? It it relates to the word experience. It, It means an action. It means something visible. And so Paul wasn't trying to simply explain God. He was trying to lead them to understand that you, you have God in you, the Spirit in you. You are experiencing the power of God, not just talking about it. And so I love that. Paul says, I am a demonstration to you of God's power through the Holy Spirit. Uh, while it is important to know God, we must move from knowledge to experience. We have to, because moving from knowledge to experience is where real growth happens. That's where real growth uh, comes from for the Christ follower. And and ultimately in these first five verses Paul wanted their faith to rest in God's power and not their own. He he could see it very clearly. He could see it from the divisions, right? That he had heard about and all of a sudden looked at with his own eyes. Uh, You know, he understood that there were those over here being led by Apollos and those over here being led by Cephas and there were those who only wanted to hear from him. But but Paul, he wanted their faith to rest in, and again, that word rest is another word for trust. All right? It's, it's to rest in, to trust in God's power and not their own. Something else that's very interesting, and I, I didn't put this on your handout, but the Greek word for power in this, it really throughout the letters of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, the Greek word for power is the word dynamis. Dynamis. D Y N A. M-I-S, which means supernatural strength. So when he was using the word power, he wasn't talking about any man-made power that you might have. He was talking about supernatural power, like, like the power that raised Christ from the dead, that kind of power, God's power. And that's what he was saying. Hey, rest in supernatural power, the power of God, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave. Um, theologians tell us that's the power that Paul references over and over again to the church at Corinth, both in First Corinthians and in Second Corinthians. And like I said, the first five verses, I could push away and go, wow, <laughs> that's enough. I, you, you have filled my heart up. But we're going to keep moving. Is that okay? We're going to keep moving. So let's look at verses 6 through 9. He says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had... They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. So Paul makes it very clear, and again, uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about throughout the letters of First and Second Corinthians is the wisdom of God. And we're gonna look at it in comparison to what what the people in Corinth were challenged by. They were challenged to to trust in the wisdom of what? The world, right? The the culture and, and, and in themselves, right? And so Paul says here that the gospel wisdom, right? This gospel wisdom that he is talking about was for mature believers. In other words, you're not going to get it unless you are experiencing God. Unless you're moving forward in your faith, you're not going to understand. And so Paul was not merely speaking of physical stature. He wasn't talking about uh, an age. He was speaking of a spiritual, relational stature in Christ. I love another theologian that, that I read, a commentary. Uh, is by Max Anders. And Pastor Max Anders, he says this, He says, Christian wisdom is the gospel, while the so-called wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age is worldview, uh, sophistry, and belief systems which fail to recognize the gospel. Worldly success and accomplishments and worldly wisdom will fall away when Jesus returns. To rely on the things of this world is foolishness. And hasn't Paul already said that? He, he said to rely on this world. And remember, what does the word dependence mean? It means reliance upon. It means to trust in. So when you rely, when you trust on the things of this world, the wisdom of this world, it's foolishness. And Paul says, if you want true godly wisdom, you must be one who is experiencing a relationship with God. You must be moving forward in your faith because this gospel wisdom that he's talking about, he said it's for what kind of believers? Mature believers. That's what he says. Uh, another thing that Paul shows us in this passage and as we continue to move forward is that the wisdom of the world is temporary. The wisdom of the world is temporary, but the wisdom of God is eternal. Paul tells the church that it was God's plan all along. Do you see that? It's God's plan all along. A plan that was what? Destined for our glory before time began. So think about that. God knew that he would be sharing his wisdom with believers, right? Before the believers were ever on this, this dirt, this soil, this planet. Now I'm gonna tell you, that blows my mind. That blows my mind to, to think about that God's plan for us, right, has always been. It's always been. God didn't just come up with it when Jesus was in the world. He didn't just come up with it when he saw how the world responded to Jesus. This was a plan he had made before the world was ever formed. And so think about that for just a minute. Does that not blow your mind? That's our God. So those who rejected Christ And those who relied on worldly wisdom, they couldn't understand it. That they couldn't understand what Jesus was saying to them. They couldn't understand what Jesus was doing for them. And even now, they don't understand what Paul is saying to them through the Holy Spirit's authority and power in his life. Uh, Only those who loved God and were maturing in their faith could truly get it. And the only way to receive the glory of God is through Christ, who is the Lord of glory. I, I love when Paul says that, the Lord of glory, right? There is no glory apart from Jesus Christ. And so, well, again, what an awesome, awesome message to the church, not just in Corinth, but to the church today. The wisdom of the world is temporary. When Jesus comes again, <laughs> Everything that's of this world and in this world is gonna fall away except for those who what? Who love God, who love the Lord, the Lord of glory. So so Paul goes on and he finishes this chapter, chapter two, uh, with this passage. Look at verses 10 through 16 with me. He says, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Verse 10 is so important. It, it, it really, in my opinion, is the one verse that ties every other verse together. I'm gonna read it again. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? So that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because, look at this, because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all, makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments for verse 16, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now again, there's a lot here. And, and again, I could take probably two Sunday nights to to try to explain this one passage, but I'm gonna do my best tonight to, to sum it up um, simply if I can. First of all, very clearly in verse 10, Paul tells us the wisdom of God only comes through the Spirit of God. The wisdom of God only comes through the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something. The only way I can stand up here tonight and preach to you, it's not because of the years I spent in college. It's not because of all the books of Dr. Tony Evans I read. The only way I can stand up here tonight and preach truth to you is through the power of the Holy Spirit in me. That's it. Now, I thank God for my education. I thank God for godly men uh, who write and, and help me, right? Help me get a firm grasp on some things that maybe, you know, maybe um, that I can't get on my, on my own. But at the end of the day, anything I say that is of God, that is about God, that is for God, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Paul makes that very clear. Uh, I love this because in James's letter, if you want to read a good letter, you go read the book of James. In James's letter, he tells us that if we want wisdom, all we have to do is what? Ask. And how will God give it? Generously. Liberally. That's right, liberally. He will pour it out, right? God will generously give us wisdom. And guess what? That wisdom will come to you in only one way. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's wisdom doesn't come to you by being a church member. God's wisdom doesn't come to you by having a title of pastor in front of your name or deacon in front of your name, or teacher in front of your name. God's wisdom comes to you through the Holy Spirit, period. Now, I thank God, I thank God, uh-oh, you know what? My phone is playing a spirit song. <laughs> Spoke too loud. That's pretty cool. I, that's pretty cool. I, it, it said Spirit of the Lord, anyway. So, um, that's that's pretty good, I like that. So, Paul uses an analogy here, right? Now, I love this. He uses an analogy, and it helps me out. He uses an analogy of our own thoughts and minds, okay? So, so let me play a game right here, and uh, I'm going to play this game with uh, Miss Kathy because she's right in front of me. Miss Kathy, what am I thinking about right now? <laughs> she's laughing. She probably don't want to say what she thinks I'm thinking about. I, I, so, so here's the thing. She can't possibly know what I'm thinking about. She, she might say, well, you're thinking about 1 Corinthians. I'm actually not. I'm thinking about how good that angel food cake was, Miss Carol. <laughs> that was some good angel food cake. Matter of fact, I tried to get in there and get a second piece, and it was gone. So, But I'm glad I got a first piece. She bought two of them. I know. That's why I thought I would get a second piece. I know. It didn't work. See, here's the thing. Miss Kathy couldn't have possibly known that that's what I was thinking about. Right? I, I'm being serious, by the way. That's what I was just thinking about. All right, she could not have known that. The only way that she could know that is if I tell her that, right? But now she's in my mind and she knows that probably what I'm thinking about a lot is food, right? Good food, the, the, the good dessert kind of food, all right? So Paul says, look, just like you can't know another person's mind, right? You can't possibly know God's mind. You can't, it's not possible except, right, except through what? The Spirit, because the Spirit searches all things. I love what Paul said, the Spirit even searches the deep things, right, of God. And and Paul says, but we have the mind of Christ, right? That's what he says, we have the mind of Christ. Listen, we can know, right, we can know God Personally and intimately. And we can understand the things that God wants us to understand. But the only way it happens, right, is through the Spirit. It's through the Spirit. That's why when people talk to me about reading the Bible, I tell them, the most important thing you can do, the most important thing I can do When I get ready to open up my Bible, it's not to go to a commentary by Dr. Tony Evans or a commentary by Dr. David Jeremiah or a commentary by Dr. Uh, Warren Wearsby and try to figure out You know what the most important thing I can do when I open up that word is? Pray. That's the most important thing I can do. God, I need your help. Because I'm about to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And by the way, this is a prayer I prayed, you know, last week and even into this week. God, I'm about to open your word. I'm about to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And Paul has done his very best to not use eloquent words. He, he's tried to use the word that your spirit gave him so that I can understand. But God, it's not Paul who's going to help me understand this. It, it's you. It's your spirit. And that's my prayer. God, help me. May your spirit lead me and guide me and direct me to know what it is I'm reading and why it's important. And what it means for your kingdom. What it means for me as a participant, right, in your kingdom. That's more important than anything else. There are some days when I don't even touch a commentary, right? Even though they're good. Listen to me. I believe those are, you know, vessels, God's tools to us that, that He's inspired men, uh, and, and, and women to write. But, but at, at the same time, there are days when I just don't even touch those commentaries. Don't even look at them. And, and generally, it is a last thing I do. Like, it's the last thing I do, not the first thing I do. The first thing I do is I pray, and I pray for the Spirit of God to lead me, guide me, and direct me. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. If you're not reading your Bible like that, you're missing. You're missing a lot. You're missing a lot. It's not that you're dumb. It's not that you, you don't have enough education. I'm going to just tell you, if you're not praying for the Spirit of God, right? Right? to open your mind, to open your eyes, to stir your heart, and to give you ears to hear, right? <laughs> You're making a mistake. You're making a mistake. Again, I thank God for these 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 godly men and women uh, who, who teach and who preach. But at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God um, who, who will lead you and guide you directly. That's why I love that letter of James. Hey, if you want wisdom, all you got to do is ask for it. Got to give it to you. Dr. Tony Evans does say this, speaking of one of, the, one of the men I like to read and listen to, Dr. Tony Evans says, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. What Paul is speaking about, this is the work of the Holy Spirit through, through the Word of God within the mind of a Christian that causes him or her to supernaturally learn, understand, and apply the things of God. That's good. I like the way Dr. Tony Evans said it. He said it better than I could, right? It's the Spirit of God who helps you learn, supernaturally learn, understand, and then apply the things of God. And we see that it is both understanding and application that comes through the Spirit. Uh, some people say that the difference between knowledge and wisdom is application. Have you ever heard that before? The difference between knowledge and wisdom. What is knowledge? What is wisdom? What is wisdom? Uh, the the difference is application. The wisdom is the application of the knowledge and the understanding that God gives you. Paul wants the church to know this about the Spirit. Three things, okay? Paul wants the church to know that the Spirit of God, first of all, indwells them. You have the Spirit of God inside you. You can, right? You can know the mind of Christ because the Spirit is in you. Secondly, the Spirit of God reveals the deep things of God to them, right? I love that. The Spirit of God reveals the deep things of God to them. And then thirdly, the Spirit of God teaches truth to them. I'm going to tell you something. When the Spirit speaks, the Spirit speaks truth. The Spirit will never lie, just like the Word of God will never lie, and just like God will never lie. The Spirit... The Word and God always line up and it's always truth. And that's what Paul wants the church to know. So here's what I wrote down in my notes right after I read read that and wrote that. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen? Thank God for the Holy Spirit who is in you and in me, who leads, guides, and directs, who indwells us, who reveals to us, who teaches us, Thank God for the Spirit. Now, Paul is constantly doing this, and he's going to keep doing this throughout his letters. There's a major difference between the world and the Word, and just like there's a major difference between the world and the Word, word, there's a major difference between one who has the Spirit of God and one who does not. Do you know what it is? It's discernment. I know that's a big word, so I'm going to give you a chance to write that big word down first. right? Discernment. Discernment means specific and detailed understanding. right? So one who is walking in the Spirit, one who is indwelled by the Spirit, one who is experiencing God and maturing in their faith is one who will be discerning. And discerning is not just having a general idea about what's going on in God's Word, it's one who has a detailed and specific understanding of what's going on in God's Word and what God wants for you and what God wants for your church. Uh, again, I mentioned this just a few moments ago. I love Dr. Warren Wearsby. Uh, Dr. Warren Wearsby was a great preacher, a great writer, and I love the way he explains that word discernment. Listen to what he says. He said, discernment is the ability to penetrate beneath the surface of life and see things the way God sees things. To have the mind of Christ does not mean that we ourselves are infallible and start playing God in the lives of other people. It means to look at life from the Savior's point of view. So, so in this passage, Paul wasn't saying, hey, you become judges and judge one another. He says, no, you make judgments about what God says and the way you live in front of other people. Paul wasn't saying be judges of other people. That's not what he was saying. So don't don't think that when you see that word judgment at the end of this passage. He was saying you make judgments about God's word in you and in your life, but God gives you understanding. The spirit of God helps you make right choices, good choices that glorify God and demonstrate, right, demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit to other people. And so I love the way Dr. Wearsby explains it there. And so this is something that I was reading and I have to apologize to you because I read so much. Like I love to read and I read so many books and um, I, I like it sometimes like when Molly comes in my office, like she'll come in and I've got like, eight books open. And she's like, which one are you reading? And I say, yes. Um, so I wish I could tell you like, like where I got this. I, I wrote this down uh, kind of in my own way. Uh, but I think I read this in some other book. So whoever I got this from, I apologize for not giving your name and your book title. Uh, but I actually kind of reworded this in my own way. This is what I put on paper. The Holy Spirit informs us of our position in Christ, which should be matched by our practice in life. Think about that for just a moment. Here's what the Holy Spirit should be telling you every day in your mind and in your heart. You should know your position in Christ. What does that mean? You should know that God's grace has covered you, right? God's grace has covered you. From the beginning to the end and everything in between, you should know who you are in Christ. You should know your position in Christ. You know what your position in Christ is? You are a child of God. Go read the letters of John and see what I'm talking about, right? You are a child of God and that's exactly who you are, which means you are co-heirs with Christ to everything that God has, everything that God is. That's why in his letters, John says, know and rely on the love of God, right? So the Holy Spirit informs us of our position in Christ, and so as Christ followers, our practice in life should match that, should it not? In simple terms, terms, we need to act. We need to act like what we know about Christ. That's that's the simplest way I can put it. We need to, to simply act like what we know about Christ. Like when we look at other people, when we talk to other people, right? We, we, we need to, our, our practice in life should match our position in Christ. And, and I'm gonna be honest with you, Paul sees this as a challenge for the church, right? He, he's heard the reports. He's been away from the church around 18 months is what theologians tell us, right? He was there for about 18 months, and then he left and then he got this report about a year and a half, two years later and he started writing this letter. Hey, you, you should be growing in your relationship with the Lord and it don't sound like you're growing. You should be focused on Christ here and from what I understand, you're not focused on Christ, you focused on his servants and his messengers. And that's what Paul is saying here. In other words, you need to know who you are in Christ and you need to act like it. Your practice ought to match your position So so Paul is going to have a whole lot more to say about who we are in Christ and how we are to live in this world, but this is where it starts. It starts with the divisions that we've made and it starts with our dependence. It starts with whether or not we're relying upon the wisdom of God or the wisdom of the world. The church members at Corinth, right? And this is, again, I wrote this down uh, out of Max Anders' commentary because, like I said, he's got a great commentary on the letters of Corinth. Uh, Max Andrews says, the church members at Corinth had the Spirit in their lives because they were believers in Jesus Christ, but they still had to choose daily whether or not to depend on the Spirit. Think about that for just a moment, right? Now, I'm gonna make an assumption, and that's dangerous, I know, but I'm gonna do it. I'm going to assume that every one of us in this room have been covered by the blood of Jesus, that we repented of our sin and we put our faith in Christ our our faith in Jesus Christ you know what that means that means we've been indwelled by the Holy Spirit every one of us in this room we've been indwelled by the power of the Holy Spirit but here's the other part of that every day you have to make a choice to depend upon that Holy Spirit who indwells you or not because Paul's going to say something else about grieving the Spirit right that's something you and I can do we can grieve the Spirit You you know why the Spirit would grieve in your life and my life when we choose to walk in another direction, when we choose to hold on to and rely on something that is against God, that is against God's agenda and God's advancement, his kingdom advancement, which we talked about this morning. So I, I, I'm going to tell you, I love Paul. Um, my Aunt Nancy used to tell me I was named after one of the greatest writers of the Bible. Um, my middle name is Paul. Um, so... Jeffrey Paul is my name. You know a little bit more about me now. Um, but, But what my aunt Nancy always said is that Paul was one of the greatest encouragers of the Bible. She said what she loved about Paul was that he could get right in your face and put his finger right on the tip of your nose and you would like him. That's what she would say. She said, now, if you weren't a Christian, you wouldn't like him. She said, but if you were a Christian, you knew he loved God and he loved you and what he was telling you was truth. And uh, she called him the greatest encourager in the Bible. That's what she said. And so, I'm just going to tell you, we like Paul, we, just like Paul, encourage the church at Corinth. That's what this is. He's not scolding them, he's encouraging them. We, just like Paul, encourage the church at Corinth. We should depend on the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives each and every day. And if we're not depending on the power of the Holy Spirit, we got no one to blame Nothing to blame. We can't point our fingers at the government. We can't point our fingers at this person or that person or anything or anyone else. If we aren't experiencing the power of God in our lives and the authority of God in our lives, it's very well our own fault because we are not dependent upon the Holy Spirit who indwells us. It's our fault. It's my fault. Nobody else's. We should depend on the power of the Holy Spirit in every way. I need to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit in my relationship with my wife and my kids. I should depend on the power of the Holy Spirit in my life when I go to the restaurant, when I go to the store because I'm going to be tempted to look at somebody in judgment. I'm going to be tempted to say, some, say something to somebody in judgment. Right? That's the way Satan works. Right? He wants you fighting and arguing with people. He don't want you loving nobody. We talked about this today in our deacons meetings. I'm so thankful. And I'm just going to tell you right now. I love you, church. I love you. Because you are so servant-oriented. You serve one another. And it is a beautiful thing to watch. It's a beautiful thing to watch as a pastor. It's a beautiful thing to roll up my sleeves and get in there with you. And, sir, you are a serving church family, and I love that. Our deacons, our Sunday school teachers, our ministry leaders, I I so love serving with you in kingdom ministry because you're just focused on meeting the needs of other people. Don't ever, ever lose that. Don't ever. Satan hates that. You want to know why we face challenges? Because Satan's going to do anything and everything he can do to keep you from serving one another. To keep you from serving anyone and everyone who will walk through the door. Are people going to take advantage of you? That's an easy question and I want you to respond. Are people going to take advantage of you? So what? So what? If I'm going to err, I'm going to err on the side of grace. Not on the side of judgment. If I I get to heaven and he said you love too much, Amen. 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 I mean, are people going to take advantage of it? Yeah, because that's the way of the world. But you know what I want to do? I want to show them the wisdom of the word, and the wisdom of the word is love. What did Jesus say over and over again to his disciples? Love one another. He who loves me is one who obeys my commands. And what was the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is like it. To do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) Man, that's good stuff. Being educated. Being experienced. Being hardworking. Being good. those Those are good things, right? But if you're not careful, those are the things of the world. None of that gives me access to God's wisdom. Did you hear me? None of that. Being educated and being hardworking and being good does not give me access to the wisdom of God. What did Paul says, what did did he say in this passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. What did he say gives me access to the wisdom of God? The Spirit of God. Nothing else and no one else. Apart from the Spirit of God, apart from the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, We cannot know God. We cannot understand anything that was written in this book through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot, we cannot. His plans, His purposes, uh, His power for our lives, in our lives, it's all based on our dependency of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, this was a good word for me. I don't know about you, but 1 Corinthians 2 was a good word for me. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm tempted. I am tempted every day, every day to stand up on my education, to stand up on my experiences, to stand up on my, what I believe is goodness. But I need to be careful because the Bible says that even my best deeds compared to the righteousness of Christ is what? A filthy rag. So before I even think about my goodness, I better, I better relate it to christ and then i understand real quick i ain't good at all but i'm tempted every day to to believe that that the wisdom of god comes through my efforts right my education and it does not you want to know what it comes through it comes through the power of the holy spirit and me humbling myself humbling myself and saying god i'm not worthy like that roman soldier right like that roman soldier God, I don't even deserve Jesus. I don't even deserve for you to come under my roof. But if you'll just say the word from where you are, I know that my servant will be saved. That's the attitude. That's the mindset. And so I've been praying all week, God, help me. God, help me not not to base any message that I preach on eloquent words or, you know, something that'll make them laugh or something that'll make them cry. God, just help me preach the truth. What did Paul preach? Christ crucified. He's already, look, we ain't covered two chapters yet and he said twice, I preach Christ crucified. That's it. I preach Christ crucified. He lived for you. He died for you. He rose from the grave from you. What else you need? What else can I do for you? <laughs> That's, it really is that simple. It really is. Oh.